She Loves Herself with Jill Ritchie, showing you how to embrace vulnerability and unearth your power within. Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of She Loves Herself, the podcast. It's Friday, so happy Friday, happy weekend. I hope you've all had a great weekend and if you have not, I hope that you have an intention set for this weekend to do something to meet your needs to not leak energy and give your power away, do something for you this weekend. Um, this weekend I'm off, I'm off with Daryl and the kids, we're away for a few days. Um, we're going back to the same place that I was at last week, which I just loved so much that I'm going back again. I have definitely carried my energy from last week and being away on my own for those four days into my week this week. I've definitely felt really centered and grounded and connected. And when we do that, things just seem to flow. I feel like I'm manifesting these things because I'm in flow and I'm really meeting my needs and asking for what I want. And this is just, this is taking work, right? But um, it, it feels so, so good. And it's it feels like a good place to be. Um, so yeah, I have got some exciting news because I'm going to be sharing something new in my email community. So I'm going to drop the link to join my email community. I'm going to be sharing it with them first. I'm going to be running a new half day workshop, which is something I've run workshops before, but what I'm focusing on in this particular workshop is epic. It's it's really, really good. And if you want to be involved in this half-day workshop that I'm going to be running in March, please follow the, you know, put the, the link in my show notes or you can go to the link in my bio on Instagram and join there. Um, but yeah, I'm really looking forward to it. So if you do want to know more, join that, um, join that mailing list. I'm also blogging on there more and I just feel like there's more detail in there than I'm, I'm putting on Instagram. It just feels more natural for me. Um, so yeah, it's good. Um, I feel like this week I've had a really good structure to my week and morning routine and I believe morning routine is super super important so my friend Lynette Gray and fellow coach is running these programs and it's all about morning routine she's been running them since December and it's Monday to Friday 6am till 6.45am and she's getting you into a morning routine so if you want to do meditation mindset work setting intentions um, and loads of other amazing things that she's jam-packing into that then please get in touch with her on Instagram um, at Lynette Gray Coaching amazing guys it's only 99 pounds for the whole month what you are getting there in terms of value and the quality of coaching that Lynette brings to that is epic so go jump in um so let me tell you about this episode today's episode it is with the epic sex life and relationship coach Rosa Maxwell we are exploring non-monogamy and polyamory relationships which is a first for the she loves herself podcast let me tell you, Rosa and I actually recorded this episode in September last year, but because I was just finishing season three, I knew I wanted to put this into season four, but because I hadn't listened to it for so long, I went back and listened to it yesterday and I was like, oh my God, this is so good. Like talking about this stuff and the ever-changing world of sexuality and how we can all start to open ourselves up more. Um, and deeper to have more connected relationships moving forward. So go into this one 
with an open mind. She is epic and really knows her stuff. So without any further ado, let's go in. She loves herself with Jill Ritchie. Hi, and welcome back to another episode of She Loves Herself, the podcast. I am joined by an absolutely incredible guest and a first for the She Loves Herself podcast, Rosa. Come and say hi to everyone. (laughs) Hi, Jill. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure to be here. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to have you. I mean, Rosa, we were introduced by a mutual friend, Cherub, who was on season three Mm. of the podcast. um, And I was looking for someone just like you to come and open up this dialogue yes. and really get the conversation going because I've been on a journey with this as long as I can remember, but particularly mm. a healing journey for almost four years. And there's been such resistance for me around this. I've worked with various different mm. coaches. Some of it landed, some of it didn't. But this year has been a phenomenal breakthrough for me. And I am so ready to start talking about this and opening up this dialogue for people to open up their consciousness to other possibilities and actually not just Mm. other possibilities, but what is possible for you when you not only understand and are open to this work, but start to do the work and integrate this work into your life. Yeah, a hundred percent. I have found throughout my my work as a sex, love and relationship coach that when we are able to fully embrace ourselves and our sexuality, that this just radiates everywhere. It transforms how we show up at work. It transforms the relationships that we have with our families, with our kids. Uh, it transforms the way that we show up in our friendships. And most importantly, like our partners, Partnerships, but that deep, deep ability for self-acceptance and self-love when you really fully embrace your sexuality in its authenticity without the, I should do this, I shouldn't do that, the shame, the social conditioning, the repression that so many of us experience. It's just magic when we can allow it to really be and to allow it to flow so freely. Yeah. Oh, I love this because I know from someone who was so resistant to it, Mm. the biggest thing for me, I felt when I started this, um, even before I started it, I used to get really embarrassed talking about it. Mm. And I remember even being at school, like we all knew that the guys would self-pleasure, but no one ever talked about women doing it. And I remember having a belief that it was really quite a yucky, dirty thing. Like, oh, you do that? Oh, that's weird. And so there was shame around it, Mm. especially like that. That was definitely my belief. And I know like girlfriends and friends that never, ever openly spoke about it. Now, did they do it? Maybe, but we never, ever talked about that stuff. And I know for me, I never did it. Like I never did it. And I, I do remember being a little girl and you know, when you're really little yeah. and you're like exploring and, and then you're like, oh, that's really wrong. Like that's really dirty. That's bad. And so we take on that belief really early yeah. on. And then for me, I never, ever 
really self-pleasured mm-hmm. until my sort of late 20s. Yeah. And this is massive for me, guys, because you guys, you know, this is, we're going to, we're in season like this. <laughs> right? I've never, it's not something that I've ever really opened up about. Mm. But, and I see now how I've struggled to really receive anyone mm. or anything in my life and where my, I was going to say problems in it very Yeah. Common where my um, struggles with intimacy have come from because my core belief was that it was wrong and weird. Mm. Oh, I feel that so deeply. And I can say that it resonates so much with my own experience. And I know so many, and particularly the female clients that, or the female identifying clients that I, that I work with, I was even in session with a client on Monday and we were talking about self-pleasure and and that journey and how it is often as children, maybe we're exploring something feels pleasurable. There's an innocence in this, in this pleasure. Yeah. 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 There's it's, we seem to it's, it's the adults that sexualize the children's yeah. pleasure, not the children. Mm-hmm. Um, babies, there's even research that suggests babies touch themselves in utero. Um, yeah, so it's I've just, yeah, it's so natural for us to want to experience pleasure in, in our, in our lives. And, and this sensuality does exist in all of us from quite a young age, but it's when we have people who, say, oh no, don't do that. That's naughty. Or don't do that. That's bad. It's dirty. It's like unclean. Um, as like my client was sort of sharing on, on Monday that this experience with her family, shaming her just for, um, just kind of moving herself around on a pillow and just having, having that pleasure, feeling that pleasure. And actually what I would love for, um, us to be able to get into a space where, we just normalize that and we can share with, with our children that, oh, it's great that you're exploring in this way. Why don't you just keep it in your bedroom um, and explore, explore there. And it can be a little safe space for you to really explore with that childlike curiosity. Um, And one of the things that I really love to do to help men and women, particularly increase this focus on pleasure. All of the work that I do is really, really focused, pleasure focused. Mm. Um, I think it's so, so powerful when we begin to change our narratives, uh, we can get stuck in so many stories, but when we can change our mindsets to this kind of playful curiosity around our sexuality and also in life in general, but really starting to think of like, what's going to bring me more pleasure, not what I should want or shouldn't want, but what's going to bring me, me pleasure in, in sex, Mm -hmm. in, in our love, in our relationships. Um, It's Uh so, so powerful. And to be able to then rewire these experiences of pleasure that we have maybe as young children, um, where the shame kind of gets mixed up in it to be able to then rewire this in the work that I do, which is really, I do a lot of like neurological reprogramming in a child work, things like that to help process and reprocess and reprogram, um, our brains really Mm. into this more, 
open, more ecstatic, more pleasure orientated state and, and providing even different pleasure practices. And my client left on Monday from this space of feeling this shame from, from these, these kind of childhood experiences to suddenly so excited about the opportunity to begin to explore her body in this, yeah. in this way, uh, in a yeah. new way. Um, oh, it's just, it just it's so amazing, beautiful. isn't it? And you yeah. talk about inner child and it's something that I've, you know, I've really studied and researched and also mm. processed myself. And I think, you know, to be able to go through it and you'll have been the same, Rose, I'm sure you'll have oh, done yeah. all your own work <laughs> and that's what makes you great at what you do. Um, but when we were talking about um, pleasure and receiving um, mm. and needs being met, like that's where so often that us, particularly as women, struggle to receive because mm. we, like, we, we hold so much in that space. Yeah. And we create so much from that space. Like, I mean, we were born and we were we were created and we were sort of nurtured and grown in that mm. space and moved through that space. But actually, there is a lot of shame in there. And um, would you say then that you need to go in and work on the old beliefs and the old trauma and the old wounds, the old narratives around sexuality? Um, and then that's when we rewire and, and create new neuron pathways that we can start to really start to yeah. have, you know, sustainable transformation. Yeah, yeah. There is so much wisdom in that's like held in the body. Um, and there's so much that's stored, not, not just the wisdom, but even from ex those experiences, like those young childhood experiences, the shame, like that you mentioned as well, that difficulty in, in receiving, it makes, of course, it makes total sense that we have trouble receiving a lot of the time as women, because we're not, we're not meant to have pleasure. Yeah. We're yeah, not meant yeah, yeah. to be sexual. We're like the virgin or the whore. There's no, uh -huh. it's, it's like that, yeah. that you can't, there's, there's no embracing this sexuality. So for so many of us, we shut down almost that part of ourselves. It's like pleasure isn't for us. Um, it's not for me to receive. And it's yeah. bad. Yeah. And when you talked about like the virgin or the whore, whore yeah. like that's like so interesting interesting because when, you know when I think back of my younger years you didn't want to be known as a slut yeah you know because you got a name if you were like that yeah. and and the thing is it never left you at school mm -hmm. people remembered you for that so you always wanted to be the good girl but here's the thing as well mm -hmm. people would do it and then hide it no one told anyone so everyone was really secretive about mm. their sexual desires because they didn't want to take on a label and be shamed oh. by society, right? Oh. And it's the lies we tell ourselves. Yeah. 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 The lies we tell ourselves. And and again, moving on to relationships. And, you know, when, when we start to have sexual relationships with people, you know, it can feel great in the beginning. Mm. And then I speak to a lot of people who struggle mm. and I know I have for sure in every relationship mm. after a few years, it's all good at the start. And then after a few years, I'm like, oh no, I just don't feel I want this anymore. Yeah. And for me personally, I mean, I would go from an, uh, one relationship and be with them for a few years, end it, 
then in another one, few years, end it, and it was always me ending it because I always felt like I didn't want to get really intimate with them anymore. Yeah. I wasn't feeling that, and I've had to do a lot of work, certainly over the last sort of four years, to understand where that comes from and actually getting really vulnerable. You know, when all the when all the masks start to fall down mm. after the beginning of a relationship, where you're all like, you know, all the characters that we take mm. on, it's like. The, but when it starts to fall down and you're fully naked, not just physically, but actually emotionally yeah. naked in front of someone and they see the real you, that real vulnerability piece mm. can feel like, oh, wow. oh, you know, what's going on here? Um, and I see that yeah. and I hear from a lot of women that say that, like, I don't know why I struggle now. I liked it at the start and I don't mm. anymore. Like, I'd love to ask you about that. Like, yeah, get that with clients when they come, like asking about that. A hundred percent. And this is such a normal journey and there's so many different, there's there's quite a bit of research out there and there's so many different, um, yeah, different almost theories and suggestions of the different reasons why this happens. Like there's definitely the honeymoon phase and I am a bit of a massive neuroscience nerd. Um, and particularly in this phase, you have all of it's like, you can call it new relationship energy. It's where you're really, your brain is literally flooded with like, like oxytocin, uh, which is like that cuddle chemical, the love chemical, dopamine, um, and serotonin, which are our reward chemicals and our kind of happy, happy hormones and neuro neurotransmitters. And, um, and yeah, so you're like flooded with all of this. So you actually, the brain naturally with all these chemicals focuses on the positives. So, so even though those, 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 um, as you say, the like the mask kind of falls down. It might even be that you just don't notice what's underneath underneath the mask because you're just so in this energy with all this chemical cocktail going around the brain. Everything's so bright and positive. And what happens is over time that kind of it, like it doesn't wear off fully, but you get less of that that rush, that high, and then you settle into this this phase where it gets a bit real and um, that honeymoon phase is over. And then often what I've found and what I experience as well with my clients is that this is the time when our, um, when our wounds and our triggers and our um, like mm -hmm. all of those deeper parts of ourselves, our old stuff, mm, the old stuff kind of comes up comes in yeah. and it's when the relationship is getting deeper and there's more attachment yeah. uh, those attachment styles come mm -hmm. into come into play as well how we're attaching to each other and um it, it links back as well to to something you mentioned earlier but about about like the body and the way and these triggers and wounds they actually a lot of the emotion and the experiences that we pick up and whether it's experiences of trauma, whether it's our needs not getting met in different ways as children, we can have the most perfect, perfect parents in the world, but they will not be able to attune to all of our needs perfectly. It's, it's impossible. So, so these things kind of get collected or almost stored within, within the body. And there's a theory called the triune brain theory. So we've got our 
like neocortex, which is our kind of thinking critical brain, a little deeper, you've got like the limbic system, which is that emotional brain. And even deeper than that, you've got our primal brain. And these wounds, these triggers, all of that is stored in this primal center. That's kind of like picking up all these cues. It's that real like subconscious that can really rule our reactions and our experiences. And what I've found is that when we can work to start to transform those connections within that that kind of primal and the limbic system, um, then it allows us to create that deeper change, to change the way that we behave in relationships mm-hmm. um, and to work on those those wounds and those triggers on that deeper level to really create that deeper transformation um because we can tell ourselves like oh I shouldn't think this way why do I think this way like why am I getting jealous why am I why is this why am I suddenly getting triggered because they're not doing the washing up it was things as simple as that it's likely that it links to some deeper um some deeper needs and wounds um that we've picked up along the way totally this is completely my jam right and uh, I definitely feel that a lot of people will leave relationships or stay in relationships so they'll either leave the relationship Mm. not having taken responsibility for their part thinking it's the other person's fault and it's their stuff that they didn't do the washing or you know more than that like they they weren't you know emotionally there for me they didn't meet my needs I'm out of here and they're to blame or they stay in the relationship and accept mediocre or less than even mediocre right and Mm -hmm. then end up like with a belief of well you know marriage is for life so I've got to just stay Mm. here even though I'm not that happy and um, so there's kind of two ways there right of of what can often happen with a lot of people mm. and what I've I certainly found from a personal level is I would go from different relationships blaming the partner but not not in a way that was mm. he's done this that's it I knew I went off them sexually I was like yeah because one of my things was um and I've realized this obviously through the work is that I can't get intimate with someone I could if it's that primal, you know, deep desire, but in a deeper level, if I don't feel safe with someone emotionally, Mm. I can't. So that's when I had to get my head round. Well, why was all right for the first 18 months? I was like, oh, I had it like Mm. rabbits and the sex Mm. is amazing. And then suddenly I'm like, oh no, because (sighs) I had got more vulnerable and shut down because if something was happening and I didn't feel safe, you know, if someone was shouting, it, it mm. triggered something from me, inner child work. And I would honestly urge anyone that if you have gone from a relationship to another relationship and another relationship and the same sort of pattern is coming up, really yeah. check in with yourself because I'm not saying that your partner isn't showing up emotionally for you, but they are mirroring back something to you that you need to work on and meet for yourself because you're going to keep attracting the same relationships over and over again. And actually now I realize that they, they did all those things. I didn't make that up, you Mm -mm. know, actually. Um, But I, because of my attachment style, being anxious avoidant, Rosa, I attracted anxious attached people. Yeah. 
And so it, it's just incredible. And, and it's about really taking that responsibility and doing that work. No, mm. I'm not saying never leave a relationship if you're unhappy, but but definitely make sure that you've done the work for you, not for your partner. Yeah. Not to meet their needs. It has to be for yourself and fully, really invested the time to go as mm. deep as you possibly can. Um, well, I mean, that's what I believe anyway, Rose. I don't know what, oh, you, what your experience is of it. Jill, you are so on it there. That's that's honestly the biggest piece of wisdom I could ever share with anyone is, is that the, doing the self-work, what I've seen in all of my clients' journeys in, in my own personal experience as as well. And I'll share a bit about that. But is yeah, that when we when we work on ourselves, it changes our relationships as well. So actually what I've found is like when I, I only see people one-on-one, I don't do, I don't do couples work. But what I've found is that when working with men and women one-on-one, that they then see changes in their partners yeah. as well. It takes yeah. a little time sometimes. And there's some research around this as well, that often when one partner is doing the inner work, the self-work, there's a bit of a time lag, but like the other partner, if they're, if they're kind of in it and they're willing, will almost naturally start to change. Like one client even shared the way that we were, te- I was teaching her different communication styles to get her needs uh, across more effectively, set her boundaries in mm-hmm. a loving way that doesn't cause those like ruptures or defensiveness in a, in another partner. And um, she told me at the end of one of our sessions, she was like, I can't believe it. My partner's actually started to use the same language. I haven't told him that I've like been doing, been, been sort of changing the way I'm speaking, but I'm seeing him mirroring the way that I'm now starting to communicate. So when we are able to do that work in ourselves, like it invites our partners to transform as well. And if our partners don't want to transform, we get to be in that empowered space where we can then choose from that empowered mm-hmm. space, whether we want to stay or um, go. Or go. And you go like it. so empowered. Yes. You honestly can love them unconditionally, love yeah. them where they're at. And you said about your journey, Rosa, right? I would yeah. love to people listen to this and be like, She's an expert on it. And I ah! to listen to me and say, yeah, but you're so confident. You talk yeah. about that. So like, when you've done it, it wasn't easy for me. And I'd love to mm. ask you about your journey from sort of like adolescence to now. Like, oh. how did you get to this where you are yeah. now? Lisa? Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a, what a story. And, and you know what, what I really want to share as well is that I'm still in the journey. Um, (laughs) like, isn't, isn't that there's, there's, um, yeah, I don't think there's ever, and, and this is, this is my mindset. So, so I really invite anyone to, to kind of take it or, or leave it, like see how it lands, see how it resonates. But as soon as I came to the, the kind of realization and the acceptance that there's no, there's a, there's no quick fix and B there's no, there's no end. Um, like you're in the journey for forever. Um, and you just keep, keep getting closer and closer to your truth, keep getting better and better at sharing your needs, boundaries, keep it getting better at, better at managing triggers. But 
my experience and also from like my coaches and my coaches coaches that that the journey doesn't end like new things will kind of come up in different ways mm-hmm. in new partnerships in new ways in in different stages and phases of your life like going through childbirth menopause into older age like all the way all the way through these life changes um, are going to bring up different things and and for me as soon as I accepted that I'm in this journey for like the long haul and this, and, and actually learning to enjoy the process of self-development. I love, I love to have fun in my sessions. I love to do the deep work, but also bring in playfulness and like, um, those elements as well, because when we can feel that acceptance and that, and and bring in that that playfulness and know that we can and when we can feel empowered and have that self-confidence to know that we can go to the dark places to know that we can explore the shadows to know that we can look after our inner children that we can look into our traumas then then we know that we can handle anything so that's 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 kind of my my like real 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 like view that really empowered empowered me on on my I journey I think it's an amazing view and it's mine too and I want that I want this for everyone because mm. it's never a one and done and actually the more Mm-mm. you do this work the more you open up your consciousness yeah and you start to become so much more open to other things other opinions other views and other ways of actually living tell us how you got on the journey. Yeah, 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 I will. Oh my gosh. So, um, so I really, this is something that I've always felt a calling to do from quite like a young, young age. Um, I think I was probably, probably like a teenage 18, 18 or so, I would always be the person that my friends would go to for sex advice. Not that I was having much sex at that age, Um, but I seemed to be uh, the person that people would come to. And I remembered thinking about moving into this field after um, university, but then being convinced that uh, working that like, what was a sex therapist? Like, how are you going to get a job doing, doing that? Um, so I ended up going into corporate, the corporate world for, for quite a while and, and doing a master's in um, organizational psychiatry and psychology, uh, which is where all my nerdiness comes from is like my two, two psychology degrees, I feel. And it took me, it took me years. So I, for a bit of context as well, I experienced, some sexual trauma when I was about 14 years old. And that really, I felt so much shame around that. So, so deeply shame. I didn't, I didn't tell anyone. I didn't tell, I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell my friends. I only, I only told um, a therapist just last year um, when I actually really started to do the, the deep, 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 deep work for, myself and that experience like really impacted my young adolescent like psychosexuality and I found myself almost as well because of those or what I'm learning now is because of my experience with with trauma um I would actively seek out uh, dangerous situations. I would be putting myself almost in harm's way, like thrill seeking in a sexual way. Um, I feel I am so lucky that like actually 
not as like I didn't get an STD or an STI or something because I really wasn't looking after myself when I was. And it's because I felt so much shame. It's because I felt that I just was just wanted to just be in that, in that energy to try and like find, I think I was probably searching for a way to normalize what had happened yeah, to me yeah. to make it right to like find a way the to more you did it the more it was this it normalized it yeah 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 and then it wasn't until going through um actually it's more like two years ago now because the pandemic just <laughs> gosh what what a year that was but mm. but yeah so about two years ago I ended up realizing that I had a, I went to um, like a, a very conscious festival, Wonderment Festival. Um, it's it's amazing. And I did a breathwork practice with an incredible breathwork practitioner called Rebecca Dennis. And I remembered in that breathwork session, like I was, I, my, I was, I couldn't stop crying. Yeah. I was like howling. It was a real, mm-hmm. like huge, like this trauma release. Like I didn't yeah. know where it was where it was coming from. And my ego kept telling me that it's like, oh, this is just all stuff that you've like collected from other people. Like you don't have anything to like work on. You're absolutely fine. Um, I've, I've kind of dealt with it mentally, my experience, like I contextualized my own experience of trauma and then um, a secondary experience of trauma that happened in my kind of early early twenties. Um, and kind of was like, Oh no, I don't need to work on any of that. I'm absolutely fine. And then after that breath work session, I still like all this stuff kind of came up and I was still, the ego was still playing. And then I went to India and I met this, this, I guess healer as well. He worked with like crystals, um, had this crystal shop on the beach and he did a chakra reading for me. It's not something I'd ever done. I was like, I was like, I don't really know what this is all about, but I'm really interested. He could pinpoint in my life, the two experiences of sexual trauma that I'd had to, to the year. Um, and he shared with me how, like almost how he could feel in my nervous system, how that was like still impacting me. And that just, that really like unlocked that experience unlocked this whole journey for me because I was like, oh my gosh, I came back. I couldn't concentrate at work. Like Mm -hmm. I couldn't, I couldn't really function in my relationship. Um, Like I couldn't really interact with others. I went really deep into, into uh, what I guess I I probably was quite like was depression. Um, And I remember one day just getting so bad that I called our work hotline and I was just crying like on the phone. I could barely get the words out and kind of, it was the first person they saw this woman on the other end of the phone, this, this first person that I'd ever told about my experiences. And I feel so grateful that through, through my work, they were able to find me a trauma specialist. And I had 20 sessions with, with them. And that really, that really changed my life. Um, I hadn't realized I was suffering from PTSD, PTSD symptoms that were impacting my partnership, that were impacting everything, all these triggers, these traumas, these wounds, these things that just needed to be integrated and find who I was sexually again. And what I realized through that process is that, um, going to a few workshops and like from my experience in the corporate world, I was like, it's like, I could do this. 
like I could like like there wasn't really what what I wanted to see like more of this focus on pleasure more of this focus on the sex life the love life and relationship that you design um that it doesn't have to be one way there's no mm-hmm. shoulds or shouldn't without that conditioning I couldn't really find that so that made me really be like well I want to create that how do how do I create that so so yeah I instantly then decided to train as a sex, love and relationship coach with a school in California. Um, and then I quit my job and I haven't looked back since. <laughs> oh, Rosa, what an inspiration. Wow. Like, so you had your yeah. master's and this is a thing we take on these beliefs of, yeah. I, you know, I've, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm academic and I need to do this and, yeah. and actually, all of your journey has led you to here to help 100%. other women heal, to empower other women. But mm. not only that, to open people's mind. I love what you said around like sex life by design. Mm. Because I want to talk to you about this, right? Because we are seeing changes. Yeah. Especially in young people. Like my niece is 11 and her friends are so open. Mm. To different relationships whereas when I was 11 girl meets boy boy meets girl yeah that's it, right yeah now it's like she's so open it's so inspiring so it's changing for our younger generations but I also believe well if the young team have these beliefs surely we do too but we have buried mm. it and we've hidden it and actually because that's that's a natural need you know, it's not like, and I, I think that's, it's not like, oh, it's this new trend. If yeah. people are open to like open relationships, you yeah. know, polyamorous relationships, suddenly that's not just, it's like saying like when, when people came out, you know, as, as gay um, mm. and it's in the eighties, you went, you know, you went to prison then it was like, it was a bad thing. Now it's like, it's so socially acceptable. It's just like, it's so, it's so normalized now, yeah. but actually I, I, I'm just feeling into the changes that are happening in people's yeah. relationships. And I'm wondering, yeah, people in their thirties and their forties and their fifties and their sixties are like, you know, I'd maybe be open to that. And, yeah. and I know before we started recording now, cause I do want to explore this because I also know of people who are, you know, who maybe there's infidelity in relationships because they mm. maybe get a little bit bored or they want to explore something new. But again, it's all kept very, very secret. And actually, do you believe that there's a lot of people that are really open to this that aren't exploring it, Rosa? Yeah, yeah. So I... Oh, I I really feel this. I feel this shift as well that you mentioned. Like we've we've had shifts in in opening up to different ways of sexuality, um, and becoming much more accepting and open around that. And also, I've been feeling that then that there was almost that shift around like gender, um, mm-hmm. and being open to mm-hmm. these like different ways to identify oneself to like yeah. be in your own authenticity around gender. And I, I'm really feeling that as well now is that now it almost feels like, okay, now we're looking like almost the next one. There's work still for everything, but it's like, okay, opening, opening to new ways of being in relationships that there's not 
one size fits all. Like I very much grew up with, um, with yeah, boy meets girl, they get married, that's it. They have kids. This this fantasy that that Prince Charming will come along and that that will be it for for life. And I think it's really interesting that with with as 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 I kind of mentioned that that having that sex life love life relationship, the way that you design it is that we are also unique. And so for some people, monogamy is exactly what they want, exactly what they need. Actually, they want that devotional, committed partnership and they want that, that like that for themselves. But for so many people, and particularly if we've never been given that even as an option, that we don't even think about, well, actually there can be a wealth of opening up to there's other options. Yeah. To lots, to lots of different ways to love. We all have different needs, different boundaries, different desires. And what I've found in, in my experience and, and so I, for, for everyone listening. So I identify as, as queer. And this is because my sexuality I found even from a young teenager, like I would have never been able to like put a label on it, but like, I definitely was into women as well as men, but that was just so confusing because no one ever talked about that. Um, but really coming into that, that I, I love the identity of being queer for myself because it, for me, it really, embraces that fluidity in, um, in my sexuality. Like my sexuality isn't heteronormative. It's not just one way, like it it can be fluid and there might be, I find some years I'm more attracted to women. Some years I'm more attracted to men, even in tune with my cycle. Like we're such fluid beings. Um, Mm -hmm. and, and then with relationships, like, so I've been with my partner for, Oh, eight years now, maybe, maybe longer. Um, and there are just different, we have certain different desires. We have different needs. Like if I wasn't able to be open in my relationship, I would never get to explore that fluidity in my sexuality. I would never get to explore being with women as well as men. I would never get to explore the depths of love that I can experience with different human beings. Um, it's really, it's really, really beautiful. Um, in like the, the way that I find that I like my, the way that I embrace polyamory and and kind of non-monogamy for me really, Oh, it just allows me to a do more self-work, do more inner work. Um, when feelings of jealousy come up, it like, it's like, Oh, what do I need? And because, there's that openness in the relationship. There's so much more openness in our communication as well. So I have no fear that my partner will be uh, engaged in infidelity because he'll tell me if something happens and then we'll work through it. Um, or he'll tell me if he's interested in someone and then we'll get to discuss what that might look wow, like. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Right. Because probably when people listen, are like, how the hell do you do that? Because again, we're programmed to mm. fight back. And the jealousy to kick in because again the programs kick off of it's wrong and yeah you know I and wouldn't it be a wonderful if we were you know we could be with one person and never feel attracted I think how do you I, I don't know anyone actually well no one's admitting it anyway <laughs> that actually hasn't 
been attracted to someone else and when they've been in a relationship before. Yeah. Yeah. It's so normal. I it must be. It must be normal, guys, because it's so normal. We feel like, oh, that's bad. So we all Mm. must be bad then. (laughs) Yeah, a hundred percent. I'm not everyone's acting on it. That's not what I'm saying. But Mm. if those desires and feelings are there, like you mentioned, your your partner for eight years, and you've got this kind of Mm. open communication. Communication Mm. is key in any relationship. I think that's where so much of when it goes wrong yeah (laughs) it's the lack of communication how did you get with your partner eight years ago and have that open dialogue to say you know I want to have this openness and Mm. explore other things potentially with other people like how do you have that conversation oh I mean for us hilarious like I'll I'll give I'll give my coach answer in a minute but like for for me and my partner hilariously um it was, I think I'd like made out with someone in a club and then I felt all this guilt and shame about it because I was in the moment, like this guy was really attractive. We were vibing and it felt really normal and nice to be able to kiss this other human being. Um, and then I remember like the next day I was like, oh my God, I feel so much like guilt. I don't know how my partner's going to feel about this. I felt so much shame. Like why? why would I even want to do that? Like, why, why did I even do that? What does this mean? Uh, what is it? Yeah. What does this mean? Um, it's, it is for me, even in that moment, I was like, it's just a kiss for me. It didn't even mean anything really, except for just being in that moment, enjoying another human in that sensual way. Um, and I remember just being in bed with my, my partner, like a couple, probably a couple of nights later and just being like, Hey, so, I really want to share something with you. And I feel, I feel, I feel a lot of guilt around it actually, but I, I kissed someone in a club and I really, and I was like, I really don't want to feel the the guilt. Like, so I wondered if maybe kissing other people is just something that we could say is okay in our relationship. And he was like, he was like, yeah, I kiss people all the time. And I was like, oh, well then. <laughs> he was like he was like I just thought that was normal and I was like right (laughs) wow and you're still and it's working for you right yeah yeah and I guess like if it didn't work in your relationship you would deal with it like any other relationship and have an adult to adult conversation that's it that's it so so my my coach answer or my kind of coach coach advice is um is to really and and this is kind of we were we were quite young then as well, so there was maybe less of this more adult like mindset, more just uh, messing around. But but what what I found when I've worked with people and a lot of the clients I see, although I don't talk too much about um, ethical sort of non monogamy on my on my Instagram or anything like that, it's likely something I'll continue to to feel into and talk more and more about. But a lot of my clients are either interested somehow they they find me or they, because they're interested in in working on themselves to open like relationships or they're in an open relationship and they've got all this stuff coming up um but yeah with with the way of really kind of exploring open relationships or even opening that conversation is going back to that. What is the relationship you desire? What are the values that you really value and how 
do you want that to be in your partnership? So if you do find actually you're really desiring, maybe you're in a um, heterosexual partnership, but actually you have these desires towards people of the same sex or any other gender identity for that for that matter, and that's something that you want to explore, then it's working out, okay, well, yeah, I do have this desire and actually acknowledging, no, this is normal. This is okay to have this desire. And then seeing what, how you might want to introduce that in a relationship, opening up that conversation and being willing to listen to your partner and, mm-hmm. and their triggers, because it might be that, that they'll be like, oh no, that sounds so scary. But then thinking, peeling the layers back, well, like what's underneath that? Maybe it's a vulnerability that they're going to lose you. So what's the reassurance that you can give to say, hey, yeah, this is part of my sexuality that feels really important that I want to explore. But like, you're the person that I want to live with that I see myself growing old with. So often when people first get into say exploring non-monogamy and things like things like that, or even different aspects of their sexuality is there can come up like a lot of fear around abandonment and fear around rejection. Um, And what I've found in my experience is that when we're able to acknowledge these fears, voice these fears, have these fears sort of empathized with, and then explore what is it that we need to help mitigate these fears, then you can just allow things to flow more easily. There's none of that like like secrecy, those things. Um, and this is what I've found um, when I've seen in my own relationship and other successful, say, non-monogamous relationships which aren't because you can have you can have unsuccessful non-monogamous relationships where there's still loads of like (laughs) some there there is like a dark there are dark sides to it as well of like people not being that there's still even if you're in a non-monogamous relationship you can still have infidelity yeah it's all about honesty Mm, it's about honesty and and Mm. actually a level of maturity I guess emotional maturity to have the conversation because I can just imagine some people listening it's going oh yeah then I'll just like my husband cheating me all the time no problem and I, I'm just giving him the green light he's going to bloody love that or you might be this you know you might be the one that's like oh mm. yes I'm in for this but actually it's not it's not and that's I think it's really understanding mm. what is healthy and what is unhealthy yeah Oh, Jill, as you were sharing that, I could feel in my like in my womb, like just this tightness and this fear of like that sort of as you were sharing that like reaction in my stomach of just being like, (laughs) no, that sounds horrible. Like that sounds like just really like, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I really I really felt that as you shared Um, (laughs) and I really resonate with with that that view as it's one that I know that I've, I've found like a lot of people can, can have, but it's really, as you said, about that, that honesty and about that communication. And what I've found in my personal experience and working with my clients as well is that, oh, but if, when, when in non-monogamous relationships, you have to be really good at communication. You have to work on those skills. You have to be really good at setting your boundaries and knowing where your boundaries are. You have to be really good at, get really good at knowing what you want, um, in relationships and sexually. So it really, honestly, I I would say non-monogamy for me has been 
one of the greatest teachers um, and tools for my own personal growth. And um, yeah, like, wow, the communication between me and my partner is like next level. It wasn't at the beginning, um, but the more that we've like been on this journey to together, like I, I genuinely, it's like our relationship is so stable because of, because of all of this mm. that I don't know what would, what would shake it. Like there's nothing That's that feels like it could break it. Yeah. And I'm feeling into as you're talking about having a level of real self-awareness. Yeah. And being on that journey, because some people, you know, when you've mm. not done any sort of inner work and you're not sort of conscious, you can convince yourself of anything. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, it's all right because this is what we do, but actually notice the reasons you're doing it and why you're doing it, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, and I think there, I don't know, maybe not. Uh, it's something that I've I've never explored personally for me, but I'm so open to understanding and learning as the world's evolving and as my consciousness is evolving around um, certainly having a real self-awareness, I think. You've yeah. got to, for, maybe you don't, maybe you disagree. I've done a bit of work on yourself to be able to have that adult communication and understand your partner's needs and you know fears and have those conversations maybe before just jumping in because that's when I guess it could get really toxic Rosa yeah it all starts with self-awareness that's that's really my view as well is that it really really starts with that self-awareness and and for example one of the clients um that I'm working with at the moment on like a, a journey together uh, she's really interested, like both her and her partner are really interested in opening their relationship. It's desires that they've, they've kind of talked about, um, on and off over like a year, but she's very aware that there's like actually a lot of self-work that she needs to do to be able to mm-hmm. feel That's comfortable, it. like even with herself being with yeah, other people, totally. not just like her partner, because it's opening yourself up vulnerably mm-hmm. to others, to yeah. others as well. And, and like, I've, fallen in love with other people and like had my heart broken and wow um, right but it's so beautiful so so beautiful every like yeah I guess if you know if you are someone who emotionally when when you're intimate with someone it's safety it's emotional I guess it would be hard to then switch off especially if you're maybe a little bit anxious attached and you know, needing someone um, to then come back to your part. I guess it can be really confusing with your emotions. Yeah. Well, I find just being in partnership with my partner can be really confusing <laughs> for my emotions. <laughs> True. Yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, yeah, it, it, in all honesty, I, I think it's for me, in my experience, it's been no more, no more confusing than just wow. as confusing as it is in having in like one partner one partnership um but yeah every every partner that I've been with while still being with my partner um has taught me so much about myself and taught me so much about my body and the things that I like or may not like sexually um that may be like because you get in a groove when you've been with someone for eight years. Um, Mm -hmm. and so actually inviting other people into the relationship as well has, has really 
helped me understand my body on a deeper level and like actually ways because we're not taught we're not taught how to explore really touch or the different sensations the different ways we like to be held different ways we like to be communicated with so I, I found it's been a real real opportunity for for learning and deep learning and growth yeah yeah and deep deep commitment. that's incredible Rosa it's yeah. really really opening um people up to to something new but yeah. actually when I say new it's probably something people have fantasized about mm. <laughs> most people yeah. maybe have but actually it's bringing it to life. Like mm. if someone was listening to this and they were like, this is so me, like I want to yeah. do this. How do they, like how do they approach a partner that they've been with maybe for a long time to say, okay, it's not you, it's nothing wrong with you. Cause I think that's it, isn't it? It's like, it's not that you're not meeting my needs. I've just got other mm. needs, you know? So how does one explore yeah. that to begin with? Yeah. Oh wow, what a question. And I know, and I know right on the spot, no, it's that. amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> I have I have so much wisdom around this to, to offer. So I'm really excited that you've that you've asked. And I want to start by saying there's no there's no right or wrong way to to do it. Um but uh, the ways that I have found to be effective and and working with with others kind of in this parts of their different parts of their journey different stages of relationships is it's it's almost and and maybe maybe people aren't having these conversations in in other areas of the relationships but it's almost I find similar to if you want to share anything vulnerably it's creating whether it's even just your sexual desires in a partnership not even necessarily having sexual desires outside a partnership um but creating that container um Mm. of safety if you can to be able to have a, a voice and share in your your authenticity so what I've found to be effective in the work that I do is, and this really depends on, on the partnerships as well, but to set aside a particular time or space to have a vulnerable conversation and, and opening it in that way that actually this conversation feels really vulnerable. I've been having these thoughts, um, these feelings, these desires, and because we're very emotional creatures, like we're very, we're programmed with our, our, this limbic part of our, our brain to respond to emotions. It's how we like formed tribes, like we needed to be in tune with each other, that kind of empathy. Um, and so when we share our, from a space of feeling, so for example, like I would like to explore my sexuality with other women as that would help me feel more whole in myself. It would help me know more of my truth. It would help me feel more connected to my femininity. It would help me feel more connected to my sexuality. When we can share from a space of making it about us, as you said as well, like it's not that they're not meeting your needs. It's just that, that we might have other other needs and they might not be me they might not be able to meet your needs that's that's a huge thing as well but when we can create that kind of container to share vulnerably and share from a space of I 
um, and not project anything onto the, the other person, um, then in my experience, it's much easier to have that open dialogue and open communication. Because if we come at it from a space of, oh, well, you're not doing this and, um, and, oh, I don't get to do this because of you. Um, then that instantly that creates this defensiveness um, in another hu- like in another human being is so natural and then you close up and then the conversation so by speaking from that space of emotion so what are the feelings that underlie this desire what is it that that you need and how would it help fulfill you deeper create this sense of um in a knowing help you connect deeper to your own authenticity um and also how could it potentially even help you in your relationship because what I've found is when we shut these sides down of our sexuality is that that does bleed into our relationships it bleeds into our sexual relationships with our partners if we're having to shut parts of ourselves down so the more that we can be empowered in our own truths um and our own what what our, our sexuality is or with authenticity um and that's really why it is like our sex lives by design um not by what anyone else says we should or shouldn't be doing then it can really improve the relationships that we have with with our partners and all our partners i love that that's amazing yeah and I, when you were speaking there i was really feeling into the whole ladies and your if you're listening to this and really under get to know yourself like because if we are not sure and then we go and open that dialogue and we don't have real strength you know and inner strength and truth around what we're seeing yeah there's holes all over it that can be picked and then we're like oh god right I've got it wrong I've said it wrong you know when we start to actually not have strength and conviction almost in our our words and power behind our words and so it's about really understanding yourself isn't it first like yeah what is your needs do you really desire this you know or is it that your partner and you are maybe just not compatible because then it wouldn't be fair to keep another person going just so that you can you know go away and explore other things but knowing that actually he's not the one or she's not the one that I want to be with for the rest of my life but if you feel like actually I deeply love my partner I want to mm. be with them for the rest of my life but I really want to open this up and explore it but I really feel Roseanne I, I'm, I'm not sure if you agree that that you need to do that work on yourself to really understand what your needs and desires are before you go sharing it with anyone else I agree. I agree. I think understanding ourselves first and foremost, and I think it really depends on your partnership and how open your partner is as well, because I know I've worked with people and in my friendship circle as well, that some partners are so open and can actually support to explore those desires um, and to help you work, like to help their partner work out what what it is that they they do actually that they do actually want and help and kind of mm-hmm. almost work together with that but if maybe that in your partnership you maybe don't experience that that same that that particular connection there's no there's no right or wrong way to 
to connect again it's all it's all down to the authenticity of like the individual and the and the partnership but then yeah absolutely making feeling really clear into your truth um and what it is that's authentic to you and and there might be some work um yeah. to do more around Let's around the communication mm-hmm. um and and empathy um and things like yeah. that and sometimes like naturally oh gosh it's this thing and and we kind of touched on it a few times this this like oh my partner should meet all my needs and they should and and actually also we often have like they should just know it intuitively they should just know what I want and what I need all the time and what what another mindset shift that I found really powerful for myself and that I love to share is that Mm -hmm. when we are able to teach our partners how to love us um and for them to teach us how they desire love then that creates this ability to have these deeper levels of of communication we can then teach them how we like to be empathized with um how we like to be listened to because I can share from my own self the way I like to be listened to and empathized with is different from the way my partner does and that took a long time to like learn and realize that we were having all these mini arguments just because we weren't we were communicating in two different ways, in two different styles, and neither worked for each other. So as soon as we changed the way that we communicated and almost like taught each other how to how we like to be listened to, how we like to be empathized with, how we like to be loved, like it, cha- it changed everything. Oh, I love that, and I know you know I, I certainly my partner and I we've been together for almost yeah twelve and a half years, mm. and. Um, we've really as I've done this work it's really opened us up more to actually what is his needs and what's my needs because when I used to like when I've asked him what his needs are it's like well if you and the boys are happy I'm happy no it's not like no that's not like that's not your needs like again it goes back to you know his childhood of making sure that he was providing and you know Mm. the, the man of the house and it's like this old like ancestral beliefs that like we take Mm. on of how the wife's supposed to be, how the husband's supposed to be and the role that we play and like, wow. But I know for sure when I've started to really express my needs and he's expressed his needs, it's opened our relationship up so much more. Like this can all be worked through, but it's definitely understanding yourself first. Mm you know, being truthful with yourself, speaking your truth, feeling into your truth mm-hmm. and communicating with yourself and then mm. communicating with the people around you about your deepest needs and desires and opening up that dialogue and yeah. having those adult conversations. You know, we, I was going to say we get one life, well, in this lifetime, anyway, yeah. depends on what you believe, but for sure, like you're here in this human experience right now and your soul chose you to live this life and explore this magnificent world. And although there's mm. difficult times in it, there's there's so much exploration, you know, to be had. Yeah. And if we can open up our consciousness a little bit more to something deeper than what we see on the surface, then magic mm. things happen and transformations and miracles can happen. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. The 
I really, I know we, we mentioned it, but really the more that I've seen myself focus on, on my needs and meeting my needs and putting, um, making myself a priority and my, my, my desires and, and really opening those communication channels. Um, I've really seen my partner step up to Love into it. that role and, and exploring yeah. his needs um, and exploring his desires, his wants, knowing that like, I can't fulfill all his needs and I can't fulfill all of his desires. That wouldn't be my authenticity. Exactly. And whereas, yeah. Previously, I would be like, oh, I need to fulfill all his desires, but actually maybe it's not something I personally am sexually into. Yeah. Um, and and then I'm like, oh, but like I should do it anyway. And like, that's not, that's not no, what you're abandoning body. yourself. Yeah. Like you're yeah. abandoning yourself to meet the needs of someone else. And that never goes mm. well. Mm-mm. Like never goes well. And everyone can probably think of a time they've abandoned their own needs mm-hmm. to meet the mm-hmm. needs of someone else. And it never goes well. Yeah. Uh, my goodness, Rosa, I could talk to you. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we need to get you back on. There's yeah. so much I want to explore in season four around this. To. And I think we need to open up the dialogue far more. So will you come back on? A hundred percent. I would absolutely love to. Thank you so much oh, for having me. This Rosa, was my pleasure. Oh, I want yeah. to ask you, like, where are you hanging out? Where can people get yeah. you, find you? Amazing. Thank you. So yeah, absolutely. So you can find me on Instagram at Rosa Maxwell. Um, Feel free to drop me an email if you have any questions, you want to explore anything deeper, just want to have a chat. Um, I love getting emails. I love answering questions. I love, I love hearing from you. Um, And that's hello at rosamaxwell.co.uk. And you can also head to www.rosamaxwell.co.uk if you want to check out my web website and check out more of me um yeah just oh just keep listening to what it is that really brings you pleasure what it is that you really want what it is that you really desire and just keep listening to just keep listening to yourself to your body um and learning and growing from from your experiences and enjoy the journey find pleasure find the playfulness don't abandon Um, your needs yeah don't abandon your needs i love it and i'm going to put all your details in the show notes of this episode well so people can go in and click on your links and connect with you rosa thank you so much for coming on the podcast so welcome thanks jill Thank you.